We have a signal now for when I'm needed. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning to them. Fear is a tool. They think I'm hiding in the shadows. Live from the underground Gotham radio waves, it's another episode of the Batshit Podcast with your hosts, myself, Reina Cervantes, and Madison Fairchild. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello for episode two. So excited. So ready for this one. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to start doing these, uh, not side episodes, they're going to be main episodes, but we're going to throw them under the banner of uh, Tales from the Panels. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll be covering comic book arcs, Um, so we'll be diving into like actual Batman comics, not like media based on Batman, like tired and true, full-blooded Batman. (laughs) We're Um, going in it. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have like a history with Batman comics at all, Madison? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did growing up like my big my brother, like a shout out to Michael again, just like last episode. But um. My brother was always supplying the Batman comics as a kid. Um, And then my first ever comic book that I went and bought for myself was a Batman comic. So very dear to my heart, for sure. Do you know what that Batman comic was for readers? I mean, for listeners? Yes, it was um, R.I.P. Batman. um, The Grant Grant Morrison storyline. Yes, yes. Uh, I remember I was very young, very new on the like Batman online scene and everyone was talking about, oh, this new comic, like Batman dies. And I ran to my parents and was like, you need to take me to the comic book store now. And then I made them take me and I got it. And that was my first comic I ever got myself. Very cool. Very cool. That's actually a good one to jump into. Grant Morrison's run on the Batman title has like been really legendary. Like people still talk about it to this day. So iconic. I love it so much. Definitely. Um, I've been reading Batman for a long while, um, ever since I was a kid. But I want to say I really got into it with the storyline that we're going to be talking about today. For a little context, we're going to be talking about uh, Scott Snyder's first uh, story arc in the main Batman title entitled The Court of Owls. It was also illustrated by Greg Capullo. So a little bit of context of this uh, comic book arc. So in like 2011, 2012, DC Comics decided to slam the reset button on the universe and just like restart every title starting at number one. I think like something ridiculous like Detective Comics was in the 800s and they just like restarted the numbering. Um, Yeah, this was New 52, right? Yeah, New 52. And in New 52, every title restarted at issue number one and every character was about five years younger. Mm hmm. It was really weird because only three titles, I believe, weren't rebooted. New 52, I know it's very controversial and a lot of fans don't like it, but it kind of is what uh, revamped my love for the Batman comics. I got really into the Suicide Squad arcs. My brother got me Court of Owls when I was, I don't know, a young teen. Uh, He Mm -hmm. had the cool like deluxe edition with the mask. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, sorry. Just them revamping their storylines is what was able to get me back into comics. So very grateful for the new 52. (laughs) So, yeah, it was weird. Like new 52 is like very influential and like adaptations. But like you said, it's controversial with the fan base, but certain titles weren't rebooted. I believe the two that weren't rebooted was 
uh, Green Lantern because Jeff Johns, who was like in charge of DC at the time, like didn't want to like start over on that title. So even though I got a new numbering, it was still continuing from previous like volumes and uh, Batman. So Batman uh, didn't get like a full blown reboot. He was like five years younger, but they didn't really explain it. And like they're like the history, you know, Batman, all of that still happened. Now, the writer, Scott Snyder, he was known for American Vampire and just kind of a horror writer. Um, he had actually done a run right before the New 52 launch in Detective Comics. Mm. Now, his run in Detective Comics is very, very famous and is actually considered one of the best Batman story arcs of some time. I hope to cover it one day on this podcast. It's uh, The Black Mirror, illustrated by Jock and uh, Francesco Francavilla. yeah. So the Black Mirror is interesting because I'm not sure how well it's known, but like I know it and everybody I know that like cares about that storyline knows it is uh, that storyline doesn't actually feature Bruce Wayne as Batman. Mm -hmm. That storyline is actually a Dick Grayson Batman storyline after the events of Grant Morrison's run on Batman. Bruce Wayne did come back as Batman, but like he was running around the earth doing Batman Incorporated and they needed a Batman in Gotham. And Dick Grayson was up to the task. It's also the one that that introduced uh, Damian Wayne as Robin. So anyway, um, Scott Snyder did this run on Detective Comics and had a super horror influenced run. And when the new 52 was happening, um, Grant Morrison was going to walk away from the main Batman title and they needed a new writer. So Scott Snyder was up to the task, which is interesting because if it wasn't for the new 52, where one of their prerequisites was Bruce Wayne has to be Batman again, it has to be him in the cape and cowl. Originally, Scott Snyder had the idea that this was going to be a Dick Grayson Batman storyline. Oh my God. It was going to be a sequel to Black Mirror. <laughs> that and, is so awesome. Yeah. And as you read through it, it becomes like fairly obvious. <laughs> um. Also, this was like, like I said, this was also Greg Capullo coming into the Batman title. This is like a dream team. Greg Capullo, for those that don't know, was known in the 90s as uh, one of the illustrators for Spawn. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he's got a very distinct style. He can like draw capes like insanely good. <laughs> so um, essentially a horror writer and a horror artist were basically given the task of like, hey, introduce kind of this new crowd into like a Batman comic title. And you can tell, like, the horror influence is insane. I think that's why, like, this arc is so interesting because it's, like, gory as hell. <laughs> like, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, also, it's very like, dark. Sorry, the art in the Black Mirror comics are, like, it's so incredible. And I noticed, like, the coloring in it reminds me a lot of Suspiria. Like, the, mm, yeah. like a page will be, like, purple and then a page will be red. And like that is just like a horror film that's influenced so many other like horror adjacent things. So it's kind of interesting to see like a comic really pick up on that style of horror, if that makes sense. So I had actually talked to Francesco Francavia on Twitter about what? Black Mirror like pretty recently. I want to say within the last like six months, um, I tweeted at him because I bought the noir edition. Um, for our oh, listeners yeah. that don't know, DC does these oversized hardcovers of certain storylines and they're only in black and white. Um, so I bought it and I was reading through it and Francesco's art like is so wonderful. It's like very like contrasty. And he mm -hmm. said like he was able to work with like very dark shades that like translated super well to black and white. 
That's so interesting. I'll have to take a look at that because like the color is what has always like drawn me to that mm-hmm. arc. So like I I'm really interested in seeing it in black and white. That's super cool to know. Yeah, it translates super well, I believe. It translates more than I thought it'd be. Um, I bought it because for a while there it is. And I think currently it is the only way to get that storyline in hardcover right now. Wow, that's crazy, actually. Yeah, the standard size hardcover is out of print and the absolute edition is like been sold out for like ever. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to Court of Owls. So this was the Batman title. This was like DC's best selling title at the time. This was like the title in the New 52 that like even if you didn't like the New 52, this was the title you were reading. No, yeah, this was definitely the one that got me back into comics so that makes sense that it was the most popular definitely so um now that we have that context should we dive right in spoilers obviously um so pretty much the first page just opens up with this huge like gothic look at gotham city and like how run down it is and you get that that like first person narration talking about what is gotham people are saying gotham is villainous gotham is a losing game gotham is hopelessness and then you hear Gotham is Batman and we open up on Batman and Arkham Asylum basically fighting like every villain that's in there at the time uh, from this like double page like splash screen. You got Mr. Freeze, Professor Pig, Scarecrow, Two-Face, Clayface, the Riddler. And he starts like pummeling everybody at once. And lo and behold, who's right there by his side fighting alongside him? My boy, the Joker. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a huge mic drop in the first moments of this <laughs> of this book. <laughs> like it's like, oh, cool. Batman's fighting all his villains. And then it's like, oh, what the hell? Him and the Joker are fighting <laughs> side by side. My God. Eventually it cuts to after that whole like attempted outbreak at Arkham. It cuts to Batman on a rooftop with Gordon mm-hmm. and it's establishing that this is like, you know, this isn't a reboot like the rest of the new 52. They already have an established relationship. And Gordon basically says to him, I heard this wild rumor that the Joker was working alongside you. <laughs> and then Batman turns to him and says, that'd be ridiculous. And just leaves. <laughs> So funny. So, so so what did you think of this opening that kind of just throws you right in the middle of things? Yeah, I genuinely forgot that. Or can I talk about who it is, who is the Joker? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I forgot that it was Dick. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, re- so- it's revealed a couple panels later when the Joker is in the Batcave with Batman that it's not the Joker at all. But Dick Grayson, yeah. a.k.a. Nightwing, a.k.a. the first Robin. I completely forgot because it's been like maybe 10 years. I don't know how long it's been. It's been a long while since I've read this. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's a dream sequence. Like Mm -hmm. it's a dream sequence where he's fighting alongside the Joker. That's super funny. And then the rooftop part, I loved it because like it shows that they have like an established relationship. Batman is working with the police, although possibly secretly. But you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I thought. Like, okay, it wasn't a dream sequence, but something's funky. Like, why is he lying when they were just fighting together? And then I love the dick reveal. Wow. Wow. No. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I love the reveal that it is Nightwing. I think it's super well done. I like that the panel kind of like transitions from 
the Joker's face to it, like becoming more see-through. And then you can see the tech on Dick Grayson's face. So so that's from Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. remember, like yeah. if you've ever read that book, um, Dick Grayson, when he's Batman, actually uses that tech in that storyline. Yeah. No, there's a lot of um, like reading this now. There are a lot of little moments in uh, this arc or I was like, oh, yeah, this tech is in this movie. This tech is in this thing. And it's like it goes beyond like a Batarang, the Batmobile, but like other tech things like the contacts and the um, the facial like changer thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's really interesting, like going back and reading something from a while ago and seeing what has been like used since then and before then in canon. It's super cool. So what's really smart is that Scott Scott Snyder is already building on this like whole history of Batman in just a few panels. Mm-hmm. I want to take a look at like uh, this double this double uh, page splash art of the Batcave, and yes. it's uh, showing all the different artifacts. You see like the Batcowl and then Batgirl suit, Robin suit. You see all the different Bat vehicles, like the Bat cycle. Is so cool. <laughs> uh, you see like the bat cycle, you see a tumbler inspired vehicle, the bat wing it without saying it, it already establishes that Bruce is had this history of being Batman rather than be a full blown reboot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just establishing the bat fam in the first iteration of Batman for your new series. Like that's that's a bold move, I feel like, um, especially when the new 52 was rebooting. So I think they did it in a really good way without giving too much exposition they're just like look here's a panel you can see everyone who's in like little bat fam right now they're Mm -hmm. all here (laughs) so Mm i thought that was really a good choice and he tells gordon that he's not there investigating an outbreak at all that he's investigating a weak link at arkham asylum a guard named matthews um some somebody that he's been investigating for a long while and gordon doesn't believe that he could be crooked but batman says otherwise Mm-hmm. After the scene in the Batcave where it's revealed that Dick was the Joker and working alongside him, we get the scene where Bruce Wayne arrives at a gala and he's getting ready. <laughs> and this panel right here, you really get the sense that like he's had this history because not only is he there, Dick Grayson is there, Tim Drake is there, and Damian Wayne is there. Mm-hmm. And he's at the gala for this this new character that's running for mayor. I forget his name. It's Batman's twin. It's uh Lincoln March. Lincoln. I knew it was I was gonna say a president or a state. That's what mm-hmm. it was. Thank you. So at this gala, Bruce Wayne kind of gives his presentation of this Gotham renewal plan with this like holographic city of like we can turn the slums of Gotham into into much more like Gotham as it should be. Like almost gentrifying it in a way. <laughs> oh no. So at this party, we're also introduced to Alfred. We're introduced to Vicky Vale, reporter of the Gotham Gazette, and an important character in this storyline, Lincoln March, uh, who's running for mayor of Gotham City. Now, do you have any thoughts on this gala scene with Bruce Wayne and Lincoln March meeting? Yes, I have thoughts all the way back to um, have him and the kids getting ready for the gala. It's so cute. I screenshotted mm-hmm. that page because I loved it so much. And it's so funny that like he basically just like adopts children that look like his own bio children they're Mm -hmm. all twins but also lincoln looks exactly like bruce too um so at points in this like section i was getting a little confused because i was like everyone looks the same (laughs) like i can't do it 
but <laughs> it was a very cute scene and I loved it. The gala was super interesting. Um, this is like the Gotham renewal project, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which has been popped up in many, many a Batman media. Yeah, yeah. No, I liked that it did a callback to what is Gotham to you. Um, and Bruce is answering this time versus Batman. It's kind of like a Dr. I almost said Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. No, that's right. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like Batman answers the question in such a violent way. And Bruce answers the question in a very hopeful, um, like diplomatic way. And so it's very interesting to see that just a few pages apart. Yeah, because then because then you also have Lincoln March uh, approaching Bruce asking for uh, basically his endorsement. So so now we're seeing Gotham politics. At exactly. Sorry to cut you no, off. no, no. Don't be sorry. It, exactly what you were going to say. And we see like Vicky Vales introducing the two of them. So she has like a part to play in all of this, which makes sense. Um, but no, like basically Bruce asking for Lincoln's support for the project and Lincoln asking for Bruce's endorsement. They both need something from the other. Mm-hmm. And both of them as far as we know, want to make Gotham a better place. So it's very interesting to see um, the politician side of Bruce. Like, obviously, he's not a politician, but that side of him comes out a lot in this arc at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, So also at this gala is Commissioner Gordon, and he's off to the side, kind of standing alone, talking on a phone, and Bruce Wayne uses tech in his suit to... uh, to translate the his, his like lip reading into like actual like speech. And he hears how many stab wounds. God. All right. I'll be right down. Give me 10 minutes to escape from the planet of the crates. <laughs> and uh, basically Bruce overhears this and he he dips out of that gala so fast, even with Lincoln March uh, trying to stop him. So when uh, Bruce dips out, we see him back in the Batman suit. And this is a really cool shot of just him like flying over Gotham amongst like mm-hmm. a swarm of bats. Mm-hmm. And he heads to this crime scene with Harvey Bullock. And what's in the crime scene? We see that there is this body like covered in like, God, how many like stab wounds? Like 50 stab wounds. 50. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? And it was like, and it was like in points where he would bleed out slow, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like through certain parts of bone, if I remember correctly, like so it's yeah, extra it's, painful. Yeah. Harvey says thing is, whoever did this missed every one of John Doe's major oh. arteries on purpose, meaning they wanted to hurt him badly and for a long, long time. And we show the body and it's just covered in these knives and just like drenched in blood. This is already like really dark for Batman. Yeah, comic. And he's like, for those of, I mean, you guys aren't following along with the comics. He's kind of like in a like crucifixion type mm-hmm. pose, which is very interesting as well. Yeah, sorry. It's just almost like they're mocking the savior. of Exactly. Gotham exactly. And like a slow and painful death. That's what a crucifixion is. Like you don't die from it. You mm-hmm. die from like the slow pain of it. And that's how he died. So I just thought that was very interesting. Yeah. So it turns out like when Batman examines the knives, they're antique throwing knives professional grade the grooves are filled with mercury for steadier flight and they each have a symbol of an owl on them as he's investigating the crime scene more he smells something and removes one of the paintings off of the wall behind them and he discovers there's a paint thinner on the wall mm-hmm. he takes harvey's cigar and he lights it and it lights up a message on the wall that says bruce wayne will die tomorrow 
Any thoughts on this scene? Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I think it's so cool. I obviously... What's his name? Who's with him? Harvey Bullock. Obviously, Harvey Bullock doesn't know that Bruce is Batman. It reminds me, I'm sorry, I'm going to do it week two. It reminds me of the Batman. I guess the Batman would remind me of this because it came out more recently um, Mm -hmm. where Batman (laughs) sees the message from the Riddler about Bruce Wayne and other people are in the room with him. And he just like dips because like that's him. He's Bruce Wayne. Um, But it reminded me of that a lot because like Batman finding a direct threat to Bruce Wayne happens often in canon. And it's not it's not so often that we see like the superhero is also a public figure. Like obviously there's Iron Man that happens a lot to him. But like if the hero his alternate identity is not a public figure, then like that person isn't going to be getting random fucking threats. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's so interesting and daunting and we see his mental state decline over this arc. So I don't want to jump into it, but I just like cannot even imagine the anxiety that that would put in a person to know that like someone is going to try and kill me tomorrow, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. They also do think it's like very premeditated mm-hmm. because they, they know the victim would bleed out slow and it would be a long while before anyone would find him. I believe they said they know that the landlord does routine uh, rent check runs on the second Friday of the month. Yeah. So it's almost like they wanted him to find him like that day. And this is like a, um, a true John Doe. They have no way of identifying him. Um to the point that there's like skin underneath the victim's mm-hmm. fingernails mm-hmm. and Batman has Alfred run an analysis. Now here's like the big like reveal at the end of issue one. It shows a shot of Alfred after he tested the DNA that was under the fingernails of his of like of like the victim and the DNA matches Dick Grayson. Dick. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, so so that's a killer first issue of a new 52 run. You got you got the opening scene in Arkham where he fights everybody, then you got uh the gala scene, and then you got the crime investigation scene. Mm-hmm. So already they're building up like the like ten amount, like not ten amount, uh the paramount like like pillars of a Batman comic. Yeah. And um that's a one hell of a cliffhanger, like you said, like that imagine having to wait another week after seeing that at the end that'd mm-hmm. be crazy so glad i don't have to do that <laughs> god it was a month it was a monthly title oh, yeah oh my god well we're lucky yeah you had to you had to wait a month so issue two opens up with uh the original wayne tower in gotham that looks very old batman's talking about it how there's like five guardians placed at the tier kind of given just like a history of the tower mm-hmm. and the observation deck for the windows, he says, Alan demanded Alan Wayne, the builder, the the great Alan Wayne who commissioned the building. Uh, he demanded that only the best glass be used, a kind of double bonded laminated float glass designed to be crystal quality, weatherproof and most important, unbreakable. And the very next shot is of Bruce Wayne being chucked out that window, <laughs> like presumably to his death. I, uh. I couldn't get it out of my mind that the tower looks like the building in Toronto, but like Mm -hmm. specifically zoomed up. I was like, why does this like one comic panel look like the views album cover, like the Drake album cover? You just got Drake zoomed in on that. Got Drake. So I was like, okay, I have to edit 
Drake sitting on the on the little. Oh my gosh! I don't even like Drake. I just like I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, to go from like oh revealing that Dick's DNA was found at a crime scene to the very next issue of just Bruce Wayne being chucked from a window. <laughs> yeah. No, that it's so good and. Seeing how easily he just breaks right through is almost embarrassing. <laughs> mm-hmm. We we cut to 24 hours later and it shows Batman um, pursuing these criminals on the bat cycle. And this is this is a really good action scene. I like this one a lot. Mm-hmm. It's only like two pages, kind of short. Um, but then we cut to Gordon, who's at the autopsy for the victim that Batman found. Mm-hmm. And to quote the book, it says the victim died from the oral wound here, which caused him to hemorrhage in his own throat. So he choked on his own blood rather than bleeding out. So disgusting. Yeah, this is getting like really grim. I love there's a shot or sorry, not a shot, a panel. Um, mm-hmm. And like, it sounds so stupid. Not the camera angle, the perspective. The perspective is from inside the victim's body through mm-hmm. the wound looking out at Gordon oh, the incision yes yeah. looking out at the people looking in and it's such a good perspective like that is so creative and disgusting because you can see like the blood and insides like framing Gordon almost and it's a very very good panel and I just had to like harp on that for a moment <laughs> mm-hmm. so um Batman starts to look at the body a little bit more and he notices that he has scar tissue and scars built up around like around areas that would mean he's like a trainer. So this is somebody that obviously knew how to fight back, but like couldn't. So whoever killed him was was a monster, (laughs) like a beast. And Gordon says that he contacted Wayne and asked him if he wanted police detail for the next 24 hours and he turned it down. And he looks at Batman and he says, I take it you're keeping an eye on him. And Batman <laughs> says, I have it covered. Oh, my God. So on the molar uh, in the victim's mouth, on one of his molars, Batman notices something. It's the same oh. Allen symbol used on the knives to kill him. And this is where we start to hear the beginning of the Court of Owls rhyme from Gordon. Mm. And it goes, beware the Court of Owls that watches all t- all the time. Rolling Gotham from a shadowed perch. Behind granite and lime, they watch you at your hearth. They watch you in your bed. Speak not a word of them, whispered a word of them, or... And then Batman comes to the mob saying, it's an Athenian owl. Appeared on <laughs> coins in ancient Greece. It was a symbol of wealth and power. So two times when somebody has brought up the potential court of owls, Batman has brushed them off like instantly. Yeah, he does not want and, to hear it. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to hear it. And then Dick shows up. To the to the crime scene that's like Batman took like like kind of like like a camera like video of the crime scene and recreated it in not the crime scene, the autopsy room and recreated it in the bathroom. It's like a Star Wars hollow. If you guys are familiar, like that's what it looks like. It's a blue hologram floating up from the table of the body. It's almost like a very heightened over the top version of what Robert Pattinson does in his Batman movie yeah. where he's got like a camera recording and then just goes over the footage, like in the Batcave. Yeah. Um, and Dick shows up now. This is where, this is where we kind of see like, how, how do you, how do you read Dick and, and Bruce's relationship in this book? Yeah. In the arc, it felt like tumultuous almost. Mm-hmm. It felt like there was some, I don't know how old Dick is in this, but it, like some teen angst and rebellion mm-hmm. was 
uh, kind of the vibe I got from their conversations. He seems to be a little short with Bruce when Bruce is trying to speak with him, a little defensive. I wouldn't say he's acting guilty, but throughout the entire book, um, he just seems a little irritable, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You got that. You got that. That weird Bruce Wayne, Dick Grayson relationship yeah. that's like most famous in the comics, yeah. which is wild because like Dick Grayson just filled in for Batman like right before the story. Yeah, arc. yeah. But it's weird. They're now five years younger. There's reasons for that. We won't dive into that here. <laughs> um, so Bruce tells tells Dick that his DNA was found at the crime scene. And he's like, listen, do you even recognize him? And Dick proceeds to tell a story about how he saw him the week before out on the street and the victim came up to him and grabbed his arm and he looked like he was at the end of the rope and he says quote they're real they're everywhere and they're sending him for you all of you and then (laughs) it just kind of throws both dick grayson and and bruce wayne off uh anyway so basically dick grayson was like you're just checking my alibi aren't you i know you already have the security footage of that incident and, Dick, and Bruce Wayne turns to him and he says, Dick, you know me better than anyone except perhaps Ralphid. Of course, I've checked the surveillance <laughs> footage. Like he just wanted to hear it out of Dick Grayson's mouth like himself. Yeah. So Dick Grayson leaves the Batcave and he says, well, enjoy yourself, partner, because according to your John Doe's flaming note, you've got less than 12 hours to live. <laughs> it's like almost like in a very humorous yeah. aspect. Yeah. That end of their conversation was super funny. Like mm-hmm. it, it establishes how close they are. Like even if they're a little, their relationship is a little weird. They know each other very well, and I like it. We return to Wayne Tower, and uh, Bruce Wayne is talking with Lincoln March, and basically this conversation boils down to, uh, "Hey, do I have like your endorsement for my campaign for Gotham Mayor?" And pretty much Bruce like almost caves in and says yes, like to back him mm-hmm. up. And then something happens. The elevator opens up and a security guard gets a knife thrown right into his neck. (laughs) And pretty much uh, it's revealed like we get our first look at one of the talons from the Court of Owls. Mm -hmm. And it's just like this buff like monster dressed as an owl with like a ton of like throwing knives. And he attacks Bruce Wayne and Lincoln March. Now we see a scene of both of them fighting the talent and then Bruce Wayne manages to get him in a chokehold. <laughs> like he's he's fighting him as Bruce Wayne, yeah. like not Batman. I love this part because he actively is thinking to himself, like show restraint so that it's not suspicious. Like, why is he fighting so well? And like you get yeah, like, like, don't don't give it away. Yeah, you're Batman. You get like an internal monologue from Bruce like oh this much weight should crush his windpipe why isn't it working and like show restraint oh, yeah. I, blah, think blah, blah, he, blah. <laughs> I think he says I think I'm applying like over a hundred a yeah. hundred pounds of pressure on his windpipe why isn't it not collapsing exactly also he, oh I'm sorry I'm sorry no I was gonna say there's like a split moment where he like thinks to himself like is it venom like Bane? yeah yeah no I loved that also I have to say I apologize but I think that Talon is so like that first shot of Talon he's so cute like I'd want a teddy bear of that it's the eyes of him standing there holding the yeah. kni- holding the well, knives just like his head because little eyes are super cute in that first shot <laughs> mm-hmm. anyway sorry um so as they're fighting uh the the Talon uh, like manages to escape and he turns to him and he says Bruce Wayne the court of owls has sentenced you to die and he kicks him through the unbreakable glass 
And while Bruce Wayne is falling, uh, the Talon like falls out after him and tells him how I love killing Waynes. Mm -hmm. And that's like a big moment of like, what the hell? So as they're falling and fighting, Bruce Wayne has this internal monologue about talking about like the history of Wayne Tower. Quote, there's something I didn't mention earlier about the design of Wayne Tower. Something your tour guide wouldn't mention because there's one guardian people don't tell you about when you visit. They don't bother to mention it because it was added later in 1930 and because it sits in the middle of the building and can't be seen from the elevator or the deck. The 13th guardian installed by Alan's son Henry, my great-grandfather, the guardian for visitors to Gotham arriving by air, and he manages to throw the talon down to a, to a car beneath at the bottom of Wayne Tower and land on that 13th guardian. I love that moment so much because it shows like he really knows the tower more than anyone and like more than a tour guide, more than anybody else. Um, I think it's a really good scene and a fun death for Talon. I think that's it's a really good death. Mm-hmm. So we see Bruce Wayne getting cleaned up and he's having this internal monologue. Listen, whoever this person was, they tried to use Gotham's legends to kill me. And I'm the only legend this city needs. And it shows like Talon being loaded into an ambulance and he wakes up and like kills the ambulance like paramedics and starts driving the ambulance away. And the internal monologue from Bruce Wayne says, this is why I say there can there is no code of vowels, not in Gotham, not in my city. Mm. And that's how issue number two ends. Also, yeah, not a death for Talon. My bad. I forgot. (laughs) Yeah, so th- that's a pretty big reveal that like, oh, this dude fell from the height of the building <laughs> and is like not dead. Yeah, I don't know why. In my note, I was like Talon dies and then I didn't revise it after he like was revealed not dead. So that just made it irrelevant. Just kidding. Yeah, you, you get that really gory scene where he attacks like the paramedics with the knife. Yeah, no, y- you're completely right. <laughs> Really good stuff. Um, Really good second issue. I like how Batman is like using his legend status like in his favor. Mm -hmm. And just kind of like, listen, I'm I like essentially I am Gotham. Like nothing happens in this city without me knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And he is here, baby. (laughs) Yeah. And then here is this threat that he might be really unprepared for. I just like seeing him. I mean, he's a detective. He is supposed to be so aware and so like attuned to what is going on and the court of owls is screaming in his face and he's like i don't i don't want to hear it though (laughs) i pretend i don't see it so it's interesting seeing that side of him this next issue opens up with a flashback um let me see what year it is this flashback is in 1922 uh and it shows alan wayne as an older man roaming the streets of Gotham and he's like, they think he's talking crazy. He's like, they're after me. They're after me. Their nests are all around the city. They're even in my home, please. And like, like it cuts to Alan Wayne falling down a sewer and he disappears and he commits suicide by jumping in front of a train. Mm. And then it cuts to <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Wayne beating the shit out of, well, not Bruce Wayne, Batman beating the shit out of subway, somebody in the subway. Uh, he starts investigating somebody from the Ukrainian branch of Gotham's mob, the Whisper Gang, and they have like these masks over their mouths and attack Batman with knives. Uh, and it's revealed they're one of the five gangs that control smuggling in Gotham uh, by rail. So they use the underground network of the subway tunnels. 
Um, basically, the subway lines are divided amongst five different gangs. And, and Batman says to him, to them, I've already chatted with the other four <laughs> gangs. <laughs> what do you think of this scene? They just kind of do a little bit more world building um, with Gotham in the 20s. And then it, it cuts to like the same subway that Alan Wayne committed suicide to uh, to Batman fighting this other gang. Yeah, I love it. I always I view Gotham as like art deco. So mm-hmm. seeing Gotham in the 20s is always very fun. Um, seeing any type of like stylized building feels so Gotham, you know? And mm-hmm. so I really enjoy that. But my first little read through, I had to go back and double check something because I don't know for like a split second, not long enough to actually think it. But for a split second, I thought that that was Bruce smashing Alan Wayne's head in the sewer oh i was like what the fuck and then i realized like no that's not right maddie but no he's fighting the whisper gang oh no i yeah and it shows that like the whisper gang wears the wear these masks made of iron that uh they have to wear until about a year of not snitching Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he's like that's all well and dandy unless you're like a magnet and the train rolls by and all their masks get like attached yeah, to the train yeah. and they all get like pulled away except for the one that he was beating up that that didn't have the mask on and he's like i don't know anything about this owl man <laughs> so batman is just going into the sewers and beating the shit out of everybody trying to figure out who this owl man that attacked him was no i yeah i really like the scene i think it's it's always fun to learn about the gangs in Gotham and the mafias in Gotham rather than just like the main super villains. And yeah, I thought it was great. I just thought that that one cut between the 20s and modern day was him beating up an old man for like two seconds. Mm-hmm. So pretty much uh, Bruce Wayne is investigating. Uh, we cut to him back in the Batcave and he's investigating one of the knives from the crime scene, the one with the owl on it. And he talks about, oh, it just might be like... It might be connected to it, but it might not be. And Alfred's like, oh, what do you know about owls? And Bruce Wayne says, just common trivia. They're carnivorous. Masters of camouflage. The natural predators of bats. Mm. So this is where you get that symbology of like, oh, bats and owls going at it. Yeah. Like the owl is the natural predator of the <laughs> bat. And Alfred says he talks about that nobody is, no Wayne has died under mysterious circumstances except your parents. But he says your great great grandfather near the end of his life suffered from aggressive sen- senility. So we've heard. So, and he supposedly developed a particular obsession with owls. He thought the court of owls was conspiring against him. I wonder and, why. <laughs> yeah. And this is where Batman starts putting the pieces together of like, shit, they, they might actually they might not be like a folk song because it's like it's like a fairy tale in Gotham like people like talk about it it's like oh it's just like a myth you hear about the secret society that rules Gotham from like the shadows like surely they can't exist yeah I mean I just think it's funny that he's like oh this couldn't exist when it's like bro do you see your life every day (laughs) do you see the shit that happens in Gotham you're serious right now Mm -hmm. anyway sorry so then we cut to the hospital and Bruce Wayne goes to visit Lincoln March because Lincoln March got his ass kicked by Talon at Wayne Tower. <laughs> Do you get gay vibes from them? No. Oh, I thought they were flirting the whole time. <laughs> but also, I think they <laughs> look first. like brothers. So I think it's like 
twin cyst. Just a disclaimer for everyone. I have read Court of Owls. I have never read City of Owls. So if I make any predictions or theories and they sound Mm -hmm. like I've never read City of Owls, that's the reason I haven't. So just wanted to make that clear before we keep going. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah, because yeah, because this storyline is infamously split up over the course of two volumes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, volume one, which we're covering right now, is issues one through seven. Um, So we'll have to cover the second half another time and cover the end. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, while he's talking to Lincoln March at the hospital, Lincoln March is like, "Uh, what if we're trying to do like too much good in the city? And like now they're like trying to act. What if like your renewal plan and me running for mayor, like the Court of Owls has basically put a target on our head. And then it cuts to Batman flying (laughs) over the city. And like one of the coolest shots with the hang glider. Mm-hmm. Can I just say how great Greg Capullo can draw a cape? Oh my God. The way it drapes is insane. Yeah. It's like very Spawn inspired. Yeah. It's beautiful. Which is, which it's like he did the art for Spawn after Todd McFarlane. So, also, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. I love the, I love any moment where we get like a reflection of the bat signal. So him mm-hmm. flying in front of the moon looks really cool. And this is where he realizes owls don't build nests of their own. Mm-hmm. They find a space sealed off from the world, inaccessible, just a blank slot in a building, an absence in a breath held like when passing a graveyard, a space just big enough in theory for a man to hide in, perhaps a man just like an owl. And on the subject of an owl, here's facts about them. They're one of the rare birds that don't build their own nest. <laughs> Instead, what they do is find nests abandoned or in use by rival birds and take them over. In essence, they invade an enemy's territory and build their nests inside his home. And it shows Batman light up the dark room that he's in. This was a uh, the crime scene building, correct? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. And he lights up the room and he sees this is Talon's hideout and he says, Bingo. The call was coming from inside the house. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. And this is where Batman starts looking at the talent suit and he finds a photo of June 1891. Mm. And it shows five people donning owl masks. That panel is so sick. I love seeing all the people in their fancy clothes with the masks on. Mm-hmm. I think this actually might be Wayne Tower, question mark. Yeah, because it'd be inside his house. Yes. 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 He says, Alfred, oh, the fund is established in Alan Wayne's name. The Alan Wayne Trust for assisting young architects. It's a fund to be used for progressive additions to Gotham Skyline. So all these buildings that like were built one every decade for the last 150 years hold a secret talent hideout. And Bruce Wayne now has that address to them all. And then then he learns that the most recent was built just five years ago. So they're active it, still is what he's finding out. He's, he thinks. And then it, as he goes into the last one, uh, he says, Alfred, I want you to open Alan Wayne's crypt. And he goes, sir. And he's like, he was right. And he's like, I don't understand. And he's like, about the owl's nest. They're in our homes. And he finds another photo of the court of owls and people donning owl masks. Mm-hmm. And it's marked June 2006. <laughs> I love that. And as he's exploring this last den in one of the more modern buildings, he realizes, oh, my God, they were under our feet the entire time. And he trips a bomb and the building blows up. And we cut to a shot with Talon standing outside the building, watching it explode. 
with an owl perched on his arm. So frustrating. Yeah. So Bruce Wayne is like Batman is uncovering this like hidden society that literally works in the inner trappings of Gotham. Very spooky vibes. Uh, It seems like they're targeting him and Lincoln March. Uh, Just everybody who seems to have some sort of power in Gotham at the moment. No, I love it. I love how I'm going to sound like such an idiot. I love how detective-y it is right now. Mm -hmm. Because it's literally all detective work we see of him like discovering the Court of Owls and whatnot. I love it. I think it's so much more fun than him just beating people up. Mm Mm-hmm. So the next issue opens up with him escaping. Obviously, he's Batman. He's not going to die in that explosion. Uh, He's really fucked up, but he'll find a way to get out. So uh, Dick Grayson is like in the Batcave and he's reflecting on everything that's going on. And he walks up to Bruce, who's all injured from the explosion. And Bruce Wayne is analyzing old bones from like years and years ago. And this is where Bruce kind of breaks down and tells Dick, I couldn't accept that my parents' death was random. That it was just some plain old Joe Chill, no name, that had killed my parents over nothing but pocket change and pearls. He's like, deep down inside, I knew there had to be something bigger at work. And he was determined to solve it. He always believed that he didn't know if it was like, if it was like revenge or what. He just always knew there were bigger powers at play that the, that the Waynes were killed. Now, this is interesting because this is also like, Sort of changing the mythos of the Batman story. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, what are your thoughts on this? I love it. Um, I think I said this in the last one, but I really like exploring different origin stories for the characters that we love because I don't want to see the same thing in the same killer every single time we reboot or it would be horribly boring. So, yeah, I really like the idea of it switching up sometimes. What about you? I like this um, because in this scene, you see Bruce Wayne as a kid investigating the Court of Owls because at the time they're just considered a myth. But Mm -hmm. he had to clear his mind of like, what if they were involved in my parents' death? And he ends up uncovering a hideout Mm -hmm. of the Court of Owls. And when he gets there, he says, quote, nothing, no answers, no villains, just an empty room that hadn't been used in years. I was so shocked I didn't see the door close by my foot. And it's a trap door that he falls into. And he ends up there in a week and ends up becoming comatose. Now, when that happens, we get this shot of an owl attacking a bat mid-flight and killing it, like mirroring mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a cool use of like imagery of like, no matter what you do, even as Batman, you'll never get near any of us. Like we are like your natural predator. Mm-hmm. I really like it. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to have... And like the natural predator thing, too, because Batman is kind of like the top of the food chain in Gotham Mm -hmm. and having a new not new because it's been there forever, but a secret higher member of the food chain is crazy. And like you said, like him investigating it as a child, showing his little detective skills, like really young, like in the Gotham show. (laughs) Um, No, I'm just kidding. But like seeing him start out young and then. Just the disappointment of thinking he's failed when he is actually right is crazy. It's such a crazy thing. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's revealed also that he's reviewing the bones of Alan Wayne, kind of looking for like a hint. And this is where Dick brings up that this is like 
it's Gotham. It's your city. But also like this city is 400 years old Mm -hmm. and maybe it belonged to somebody else before Batman. Yeah. And this is where uh, Batman follows up on a lead in the sewers. He's in her monologuing to himself and he realizes that Alan Wayne's bones had tiny punctures, not unlike stab wounds in them. And which is to say he was stabbed to death, most likely by throwing knives, Mm -hmm. almost 50 of them. He wasn't killed by the train. He was killed similar to our John Doe. Mm -hmm. And Batman found a residue on his bones that's not unlike marble. And he said, that's strange, given the sewer system is constructed entirely almost out of granite. And when he's like about to like kind of put it all together, who's he attacked by in the sewers? About to put it all together. He was attacked by Talon, right? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Talon comes from behind and gets the jump on Batman. (laughs) And this is where... The story gets so fucking cool. It gets so fucked. The art gets so scary in a good way. Um, It's just, it's perfect. Perfect, perfect. And Talon says the Court of Owls nursery rhyme to himself. And we're, and it's revealed the whole nursery rhyme for the first time in the story. And it's the Court of Owl watches, watches all the time, ruling Gotham from a shadowed perch behind granite and lime. They see you at your hearth. They see you in your bed. Speak not a whispered word about them or they'll send the talon for your head. (laughs) And the next and final shot of this issue is Batman waking up in a marble maze Mm. and a giant screen above it with three members of the Court of Isles saying, welcome, Batman, to the labyrinth. So good. Jesus Christ. This is like, this is like pretty crazy. This is like, this is like rarity in a Batman story. Like one that he's investigating something he, he kind of has like not really putting together. Yeah. He's like, I, I kind of have no idea what's going on about this. And also like somebody's getting the jump on him more than once. I hear me out. I think mm-hmm. that this arc, especially him in the maze and all of that could be such a good horror movie. I, I really hope. That the next Robert Pattinson movie adapts the Court oh, of Owls. I would. I. I don't want to say what I would do. I would be very excited. <laughs> I'm still hoping that Gotham Knights has like a maze. Yeah. Oh, that would be so awesome. For listeners that don't know, Gotham Knights, the video game dropping later this month, uh, follows the Bat family as they deal with the death of Bruce Wayne, and uh, I guess um, the the main plot of it is is that the Court of Owls knows Batman's dead and decide to like attack Gotham. So they're like the main threat, only it's not Batman going against them. It's Red Hood, Nightwing, Robin and Batgirl. I'm so excited. Yeah. Talk about people that are really unprepared for a threat like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the next issue, we see Gordon and Harvey Bullock on the rooftop of uh, the GCPD and they're shining the bat signal. And it's like, you know, that light's going to go out. Batman's been gone for like eight days. And we see shots of like Nightwing and Damien interrogating somebody. We get a shot of Batwing, Catwoman, Batgirl. Like they, they, they know he's gone. Yeah. And they're like, the city like has no idea what happened to him. And Gordon essentially says, we need to just shine this bat signal as like a beacon of hope. So people still believe he's out there. Yeah. And he tells them very adamantly, the light stays on. Then we cut to Batman inside the giant marble maze and he's slowly going insane. 
He's quickly going insane. Well, I mean, it's been I know, eighty I'm, days. I know, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I meant because his eyes are bugging and like he looks. Fucked yeah, you up. get you, you get like one panel with like the normal Batman eye, and then the next one is just like Batman's eyes are like bulging. Yeah, yeah. No, I was totally joking. It's just he looks so bad. Yeah, and he's like talking to himself. He's like, "They want me to come out of the dark, but I won't. I'll stay here where it's safe, safe from the owls." <laughs> And he like walks into like this big old lighted section of the maze with a giant owl statue. And he's like, I'm always here, but I probably shouldn't drink this water because it's like a big like owl fountain. Mm -hmm. And he's like, it's probably drugged, but I'm so thirsty. (laughs) Like every part of me is crying out and screaming. So good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And and he's starting to get paranoid. He's like, they hear everything. They hear everything. I got to hide in the dark. Hide, hide, hide. He's like, how could I be here? It's just a story. They're telling you a story room by room over and over every part. And he, he's just like finding these photos of like, he finds another section of the maze where there's like photos of everybody who's ever been in the maze. And it looks like they're just like insane in the photos. Yeah, And I love when the pages start turning. Mm-hmm. I think that is like such a good touch. At first I thought I was reading on my phone, my friends. And I thought that my lock rotation got fucked up on my phone and I was trying to fix it. And I was like, why is it sideways? And then I realized it was intentional. I was like, this is so cool. It like, what's that book? House of Leaves. Do you know House of Leaves? Yes. It kind of reminds me of that. Like it makes you feel crazy because you're like drawn into the madness visually. I think that is so awesome. Mm -hmm. And you, and you just get these like gnarly visuals of like, eventually the pages like full on turn upside Mm -hmm. down Mm -hmm. and and then it, it like culminates in him like screaming out and like seeing himself and all the photos that are on the wall going insane. And then Talon comes from behind and stabs him. Then while that's all going on, it cuts to the bat signal that blew up. <sighs> like like right right when Talon stabbed Batman, it cuts to that shot of the bat signal blown up. And they're like, well, shit, what do we do? <laughs> and Damien, as Robin like freaks out, he's like, get a new one now like and then in a moment of weakness Damien's like now please because nobody knows what happened to his dad and you get the most frightening cover in the next issue of like Batman that's like half owl half bat that issue is so good because yes it is mostly just Batman in the maze but like you said the way it rotates and it's like him spiraling into madness five and six are my favorite issues of this arc Mm -hmm. i think that i mean five really doesn't have that much dialogue but it is my favorite thing like him finding the caskets and the photos and like the thomas and martha wayne like rotting in front of his eyes Mm -hmm. yeah i love it so i completely agree i feel like if they ever adapt it which they have adapted it as an animated movie and messed it up. Yeah. They're going to have to really put a lot of money into the maze sequence. Yeah. We need like the shining vibes and also inception room spinning really bad. (laughs) I, I want, I want Matt Reeves to do the court of owls in the next movie and have it be a three hour movie. And an entire hour hour is dedicated to To the the maze. maze. I love it. I sign off on this too. Just Robert Pattinson going nuts in a maze. I would I would accept it. <laughs> so then we open up with uh, Talon still stabbing uh, Batman and he's talking about the Court of Owls has sentenced you to die. And we see all the members of the Court of Owls like up above mm-hmm. like the maze staring down 
And Batman is like hallucinating them as like these horrific like owl monsters. And they're saying, hurt him, hurt him. And Talon starts fighting Batman in the middle of this maze for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it, this is just like a brutal fucking fight. And like terrifying imagery of like all these owl monsters, like just tearing him apart. The art is truly like horrific in the best way. Like it is, it is horror straight up, mm-hmm. um, especially the little girl. That mm-hmm. little girl's so fucking scary. <laughs> yeah, she looks like like a like a baby owl, but like all like decrepit. Yeah, and and, uh, and Batman and, looks like a rotting corpse. Yeah, and he sees like a photo of Alan Wayne, and he's like, "Look how scared he was, and how he was like begging, mm. telling them to stop." And then Batman like kind of snaps out of it, and we get this full place page splash of a giant <laughs> Batman with like razor sharp teeth like throwing all of the owl monsters like off of him and then it cuts to like all the members of the court of owls running and going like run he's still alive (laughs) like they thought they won and no it was just like batman kind of snapping out of him they're like oh shit and this is where talon like basically says do you know what towels do to their prey that and before he can even finish this he's like i know that I'm sick to death of owls and Bruce Wayne just starts beating the shit out of Talon. <laughs> and keep in mind this entire thing, it's like Batman is still drugged. Yeah. So he's like still picturing himself as, as this like horrific Batman monster. Like his ears are like two feet tall and he's got razor sharp teeth and him and Talon are just going at it. I think there's like even one shot where like Batman like pictures himself as having wings. Oh my God. Yeah it's it's great and uh he ends up smashing talon like through a a marble wall and it shows like a model of the city of gotham and he's like all right city's at your feet but it's not the real gotham let's do this and they're like still just going at it just like brutal ruthless fighting like this isn't a mature reader's book but it really straddles the line like don't Uh, you think yeah i'm actually shocked that it's not not in a bad way and that's not a criticism i just I'm shocked that it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, uh, do, do, do you have any thoughts on this like entire like end of the May sequence with oh, like yeah. the fight with Talon? Sorry, I thought you meant specifically to that question. No, I meant the whole <laughs> like ending fight where they're like fighting over the little miniature Gotham no, yeah. and whatnot. I think that scene's fantastic. I love the white in contrast to them both being dressed in black. Um, mm-hmm. I think visually it's very like stunning. It's um, because so many of the fight scenes in the May scenes were very dark. So mm-hmm. seeing Talon and Batman, like the blood is a lot more visible because it's like this mm-hmm. white room, stark red blood, and then the two men dressed in black. And I love that. Um, I think the little Gotham is a really good touch. And I love the owl watching over them a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a great scene. So this is where like Batman is like, do you listen to me, Court of Owls? Like he just like defeated the Talon in hand to hand combat and Talon is just like lying there. And he's like, uh, he's like, what what you all are is finished. Like, do you hear me? All of you, you're done. And he's like, we're near the river. And I know this is white marble, not construction marble. What makes it softer and more vulnerable to explosions? And he's like, potassium chlorate explodes when it's ignited. And he takes out these two plates from the mm. old 1920s camera that took a photo of him and causes an, a giant explosion on the floor of the maze. And then dips out into the caves below filled with water. So good. That is such a good part. Also, the cave is amazingly like it's so intricate. I don't know. I love it. 
Yeah, I, I really I really don't think we've sung enough praises of like a like Greg Capullo's art in this yeah. one. Yeah. Like his art really like even the cave like underwater is super cool. Yeah. I mean, like the cave underwater. Everything is very with his art style. Everything's very intri- intricate. The shading is very well done. Um, It's the like use of the I don't want to say pen because I don't know how it's made, but like the black outlines of every little detail um, yeah, they look sketched. It looks almost. sketched. Yeah, it's not. I feel like a lot of times with comics, they'll it's like color blocked almost. Whereas his mm-hmm. is very gradient, very sketched on. It's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. So then the Court of Owls come out and they're like, "Wow, what a wonderful gladiator this Batman! This was thrilling!" And they all stand around Talon and they're like, "What should we do with this?" And basically, they're all like, "And eh, dispose of him." And they're like, "No, no, no, wait! This is our investment." Well, he can heal. He can heal. And they're like, nah, he won't from that from that beating. Uh, they're like, don't worry, my dear. We have so many more of them. <sighs> and it, they walk into the next room and it looks like there's a ton of caskets. And it says, all we have to do is wake them up. All of them. So far. And it looks like there's about like 30 caskets in there. And it's so scary because those caskets had like pictures of children on them. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like those children were raised to be talons if i am remembering correctly yeah this is like a very big moment that you realize oh shit like the talon is not like just one person which is why this is the explanation to my thought process earlier this talon that he's fighting i thought that he killed that first talon yeah, no, he was, was just injured, talent, but he was just injured. And I totally understand that now. But when I was reading, I thought we'd already been introduced to two talents. Um, so I'm glad we're discussing so, it. <laughs> so so already like Bruce Wayne knows something's up with like the talons going like, well, what the hell? They have like superhuman strength and they can survive feats like crazy. Like he basically had to all but kill this one talent to take it out. And then the Court of Owls just says, eh, it's all right. We got more. Let's wake them all up, which so spooky. is like it's so spooky, <laughs> which is like a scary, scary fucking thought. All right. I love the way issue seven opens up. Issue seven opens up with the scene from year one mm-hmm. where Batman's sitting in the chair and he's like, yeah, yeah, father, I'll become a bat. And we all know the infamous scene where the bat flies in the window and it gives Bruce Wayne the inspiration to become a bat. Right. Mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It cuts to the uh, it cuts to when the bat flies outside and the moment the bat that inspired Batman flies outside an owl attacks it midair and kills it. <laughs> oh, good. The symbology in it is like so good. Yeah. And then we cut to uh, Batman be- being woken up with the car battery. It looks like <laughs> getting down and dirty with that resuscitation. <laughs> Yeah, we we open up and we're introduced to a new character. Her name is Harper. She's my wife, by the way. I married her. She's great. <laughs> um, we we uh, we won't talk about her much in here because this is literally her first introduction. But she will pop up more in the Scott Snyder run of Batman. So do do look forward to that. Basically, she revives Batman and he says to her, um, oh, yeah, he says to her, he's like, listen, I told you once already. Leave me alone. Mm. And it's revealed that like those two have had a past history. This, so already Scott Snyder is like building up. He's like laying down the foundation for the rest of his run. Yeah. 
She's got goth so, girl energy too, which I love. Yeah, she's great. She's got like facial piercings and whatnot, blue, blue hair. hair. She's awesome. <laughs> um, then the Court of Owls are waking up the Talons. And they're like, listen, we're making you stronger than ever before. Now is your time to reclaim this city for us. How did you feel about the booby shot of Talon? Yeah, <laughs> there's there's a panel where it straight up shows just like one of the Talon's just nipples. His, it's, there's two panels where it's just his nipple. <laughs> And it's like, huh. Why is that the perspective we're given? I love the art. You got to stop with Talon's nipples, though. <laughs> Might be a callback to bat nipples, only instead of Talon nipples. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, then we see Bruce Wayne exploring uh, Batman, not Bruce Wayne. Why do we keep saying Bruce Wayne? They're one in the same to me. Whatever. Um, Batman is exploring the sewers and he walks up to the sign that says no trespassing. And somebody aims a double barrel shotgun at him saying, identify yourself. Mm. And he says, it's me. And it's revealed that it was Alfred and that he's at one of the secret entrances to the Batcave. And this is where like Batman kind of has like a little trauma because the moment he walks into the Batcave, he sees Talon there and and Bruce Wayne starts freaking out mm. and saying, no, no, no. Um, and this is where Alfred informs him, listen, we discovered his body in the frozen water near the spot. We detached the beacon from your suit. He's like, I moved it here to examine it. And he's like, no, he's like, but sir, he's like, oh, yeah. So um, he he tells him that it was really cool seeing not cool, but endearing seeing the love and care in Alfred's eyes when he sees Bruce. Like he's genuinely so worried about him. Um, It's just a very he's gone for over a yeah, week. <laughs> but it, it's just a very soft moment with Alfred. Like Alfred's seen Bruce almost die a million times. Right. Like it, it becomes mm-hmm. something that's kind of a joke and banter between them, no matter how much they love each other. But this is a moment of genuine concern and love. And I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. So then we, then, we, then we see the Court of Owls like armoring up one of the talons and we're like, we need you to not just strike him down, but tear him apart limb from limb and eat his bones. And we come back to the Batcave and Bruce is examining the body and Nightwing is showing up from Bloodhaven yet again. I don't know how long Bloodhaven and how far Bloodhaven and Gotham are from each other, mm-hmm. but I'm sure Dick is probably tired of going from city to city. <laughs> But he's examining Talon's body. We see Talon's face and he looks young. Yeah. And uh, and he's like, listen, is he dead? And like Bruce Wayne's like, yeah, he he's dead. But there's a compound in his cells, something that's capable of reanimating dead tissue. And Dick Grayson's like, what? How is that even possible? And and Bruce begins to explain they need to be pre-prepared. The court has an affinity for classical antiquity. In ancient Greece, there was a tradition of placing coins beneath a corpse's tongue before burial, supposedly to pay for passage into Hades. The rich had their coins made from a metal called electrum. He's like, I found a significant amount of this thing in this dude's body, not just in his bloods, not just in his blood, but like everywhere. And from a, and for years and years and years from a deposit embedded in his tooth. And it's revealed that the tooth with the owl is made of electrum. So uh, Dick's like, wow. So he carried his ferryman's coin with him all these years. And by the time he was retired, he was a walking conductor and waiting for a spark to reanimate him. This is a this is where we get a little bit crazy. Dick Grayson's like, all right, so if he's dead and like years and years old, like, do you have a name? Did you figure out who this guy is? And he's like, yep, I know him. He's William Cobb. And he's your great, great grandfather, Dick Loki flips. And he's like, 
I I don't know. I I really like the scene where like Nightwing flips out at Bruce. What do you what do you think of this reveal? I like it too, but I also feel like he's like, how dare you say I'm related to someone evil? And it's like, bitch, it's your great great grandfather. Mine was probably evil too. Like, damn, <laughs> it's forever ago. And then, I mean, I don't want to cut ahead too much, but we see Bruce like backhand Rob, um, <laughs> Nightwing. And it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, there's a point and a reason to it. But like, damn, bitch, you knocked out your little boy's tooth. That's insane. <laughs> um, but I like it. I like this part. I get like I kind of get his reaction, but I also think it was a little extreme. It's not like he said it's your dad, you know, just a little odd, in my opinion. This is a uh, where Bruce Wayne reveals that Dick Grayson was supposed to be a talent himself. It checks out. It's, Robin Talon. <laughs> oh my gosh. Both birds. No, he, he talks about how they, they recruited people from the circus mm-hmm. like throughout the ages mm-hmm. and that he was being conditioned. But Dick's parents dying and Bruce Wayne taking him in basically changed all those plans. I feel like this would have had a bigger impact if this was like a Dick Grayson Batman story, like what was originally planned. Yeah, I agree. I feel like this would have hit a little bit harder. It just kind of seems out of nowhere after um, comic six, not out of nowhere. It just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it matters that much (laughs) because we know he's not going to join and he hasn't been that big of a part in the whole arc. But Mm -hmm. again, I haven't read City of Owls, so who knows? Mm -hmm. So then in the final page, it cuts to members of the Court of Owls standing on a balcony and He's telling one of the members is telling an army of talons that tonight is the night that we kill all our enemies and take back our city, basically take back the kingdom. And the last page says, now go and take Gotham City. And it shows like about like 30 talons dive from the balcony into the streets below. Yeah, it's terrifying. And that's how Batman Volume 1, The Court of Owls ends. It ends on a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. Do you have overall thoughts? feedback for yeah. this overall thoughts it was really nice to be able to go back and read it it's just as good as i remembered i love when batman is a little bit spooky mm-hmm. i really enjoy it i cannot wait to read city of owls now i had just never done it you know like court of owls was something that i borrowed it was given to me and so i never went out and bought city mm-hmm. and it made me really excited that seems to be a common thing. Like people bought Court of Owls, but then just didn't read past that. And I'm just kind of yeah. like, why? Why not? Why not? You guys were fine with an ending on that massive cliffhanger. I think it was for me, like I had read it once it was already in a little book, you know, mm-hmm. um, like already all put together. Mm-hmm. And I think I just didn't. I mean, I wasn't on like a lot of Internet spaces where Batman was and I couldn't drive. So there wasn't like me going to a comic book shop every week. So I think I just mm-hmm. missed it. Fair and enough. then too much time had passed and I didn't read it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that is our first kind of Tales from the Panels episode. Yeah, I, I, I think we're going to end up covering the entire Scott Snyder run. So we'll cover City of Owls in a future episode and then go from there because his run gets really wild, especially when the Joker comes back and then the whole zero year arc. There's a lot of good stuff. I'm so ready. Definitely. Uh, Madison, where can everyone find you? Yes, I am on Twitter at Mads Fairchild. 
And I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Maddie um, underscore Amadala. If you follow me on TikTok, I am making Batman content every Monday that coincides with our episodes. So go ahead and check that out if you've got it. And you can find me at JFC Doomblade. You can also find my work being published very in various places all over the web, from Bloody Disgusting to Fangoria to who knows where the future will lead me. Um, <laughs> Madison, where can people find our pod? Yes, our pod is at Batshit Podcast and at Batshit Pod for Twitter and Instagram, respectively. Mm-hmm. And you can find us as always on Spotify and apple and are we on amazon we are on amazon and spotify currently we are waiting for approval on apple right now got it yeah the apple one is the one that's taking a little bit anyway thank you for listening we'll be back next week with another episode i can't wait to record that one but uh thanks for sticking with us until next time bye